Health the Show. It's 1025 The Bone. Here come the Jesters. Yesterday on the front page of the Tampa Bay Times, there was a story about our next guest, Richard Midkiff, who had done some time in prison, was released, and now after a year of being released and turning his life around, is now facing another 15 years in jail on what is really a technicality. Uh, he joins us on the line right now. Richard, how are you, sir? Hey, Mike. How you doing today? Great. Thank you for coming on. I, I had to tell you, I was really uh, annoyed and bothered by the story that I read yesterday. I'm glad that the paper here did something to get the word out about it because I probably would have never have heard about it. Uh, if we can, if we could just start from the beginning and just run through the story, if you don't mind. You committed this crime when you were 19 years old, correct? Yes. And were, Now, it said in the story that you and your friend went to rob this guy because you believed he had drugs. Was he a drug dealer? Yes, he was. And and were you guys addicted to drugs at the time? Yes, we both were. Okay, and he was 17 and you were 19, and you drove and the intention was to rob him, not to kill him. And you drove and you didn't go inside, you stayed in the car? That's correct. And the guy went inside, and what happened that resulted in him shooting the guy? Was there a fight, or or did the guy just yeah. go rogue? No, he didn't go rogue. He went in there and... Um, got scared, and they got in a fight, and then the struggle, the gun went off. And and how did they catch you guys? Did you? I assume you fled the scene. At, yeah, it was about two months later. You know, the the Orange County um, detectives doing their investigation. It finally came around to us, and um, you know, when they came and arrested us two months later, had enough evidence, had had some witnesses that. Um, you know, gave statements, and you were and you were presented with a plea deal, and the plea deal was do your time. But as part of that deal, mm-hmm. you had a stipulation there that said since you were not the one that pulled the trigger, you would do less time than the than the uh, your friend Sweat did. Correct? Yeah, that is correct. And you know, it was, it was really um, based on the the desire and wishes of the victim's family that the person who actually committed the crime serve more time because he's more culpable right and and uh and how hard was the time in the beginning for you no it was was very hard you know i went into prison um with no education i pretty much quit school in eighth grade i I was homeless in middle school and in high school years and um where's your family richard how come you didn't have a family i just you know a broken home my father died when i was young um, I have all my siblings, they pretty much, you know, have substance abuse problems and alcohol problems. So they just weren't really there. They weren't really in tune. And, you know, I just found myself out there, uh, living trying, in trying Orlando to survive. area. Just trying to, trying trying to survive, survive trying as a young live. kid with no education and no family. Yeah. All right. So, so you're in prison now. How many yeah. years before you're like, uh, I, because I, you turn out to be a, a good citizen. How long before you, uh, before you're like, I need to turn my life around. I need to do something. How many years are you in there really before you start feeling it? You know, it, it, I, the idea was pretty instantaneous, but I had a whole lot of um, building blocks that I had to put in place. I had to learn how to read. I had to learn how to do math. All of the basic stuff that I should have learned in school. Yeah. I think um, it was probably about my sixth year in where I really started finding myself. I, I started studying about stocks and investing and started um, just really digging into some, some intellectual studies 
that started giving me some type of meaning, like I was doing something with my life. <clears throat> then in um, 2007, I went to Marion Correctional Institution, and I became a certified law clerk there. And I'd say that's where it really took off, where I really felt like, wow, I'm doing something. And um, Yeah, for the first yeah. time in your life, you, you probably were proud of yourself. Yeah, yeah. I, I was proud, and, you know, like, my, my time as a law clerk in prison is the longest job that I ever held in my life. Yeah. I mean, so a sense of accomplishment there. I, I, I worked as a certified law clerk for over 12 years in the same law library. Well, and, and uh, God, that's, that's great. Was there somebody there that was a specific mentor for you, like you ended up doing for other people? Uh, there, there was. There was, you know, some people from the community. Um, my pastor, he was there for me pretty much from the beginning. I had some other friends that really stepped up in the place of my family that gave me, you know, a sense of belonging to somebody. Right. Um, and then, you know, you, you meet people. Prison's not the, the best place to, to make friends. But what you find in prison is the, the blues they put you in can fit anybody. Yeah. And I've, I've been there with, you know, former detectives. I've been there with politicians. I've been there with, you know, low-level criminals. I mean, it's, it really comes down to choices that are made and, you know, one too many drinks and um, somebody hits you with their car and they get hurt. You're liable for that because you shouldn't have been on the road drinking. So, I mean, there's all types of people in prison that, um, yeah. What year was it that you went in night? Was it 90 Uh, something? Yeah. 1996 is when I was, I was arrested. 1996, and you were let out a year ago, right? So you don't know nothing. You don't know. You you missed Seinfeld. You missed uh, the Avengers. Like you don't know any of that stuff, right? I, and you know, having to come out and learn how to use a smartphone. Oh, that's you know, right. It was a, a task in itself, because when I left, I I still had a pager. Wow, wow. Yeah. Yeah, the technology, sure, when you came out. I mean, it, it, that stuff moved so fast. All right, so let, let's fast forward a little bit. You get to the point now where Sweat, the guy who actually uh, committed the murder, he, he uh, as, a, as a result of the uh, changing laws, he sees an opportunity to get out. Now, when do you find out about that? I found out about that about 40 days later. And, um, you know, at first I, I was just stunned because I didn't understand how this had happened. So I, I did a little research and I put a motion together and sent it to my attorney. My attorney filed it and um, the judge granted me a hearing the very next day. Took a, It took a few months to get to court, but her response to it was um, pretty instantaneous. And, she, and, um, and what did she say? She brings you in the court you, and, the, and the case you present is, hey, look, uh, I'm doing my time, but I had a deal here that this guy had to serve longer time than I did. So if he's out, therefore, I should be able to get out. Right. And, you know, our our whole argument was based on what has been said for the past 20 years. Um, ironically, in 1999, my co sweat, he filed for a modification of sentence. And the judge granted it. And that hearing, the victim's family was there. They objected to it. And the state attorney objected to it, saying, hey, we have a quid pro quo agreement with the co-defendant, and this is going to violate his right. Right. The state, they modified his sentence to 21 years. The state appealed that. And the same court that just overturned my case 
ruled against him there saying, hey, there's a there's an agreement and this violates the co-defendant's rights. So, you know, it's kind of baffling now why the whole roles have switched. <clears throat> um, but essentially what we filed was um, a specific performance of the plea agreement. And the judge, she saw that there was a meeting of the minds, even though they didn't write the stipulation in my plea agreement, they wrote it in my co-defendant's plea agreement. Right. And she saw that, that there was, you know, everybody came together. Everybody had a sense of what this meant. And it meant that I would serve a shorter sentence because I was less culpable. Now, now is, is uh, Sweat as rehabilitated as you are? Do you believe that he's a, a, going to be a productive member of society? Do you have contact with him even? Not if he's still going um, by Sweat. <laughs> that's his last name. That's his last oh, name. okay. Yeah. Right. I'll allow it. <laughs> That, yeah, that's his last name. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I don't communicate with him much. He's he's out of state. He left Florida. Um, you know, I know he has a wife and a daughter, and we didn't really have contact when we were in prison. We were in separate prisons. So, right. you know, I, I hope he does well. Um, you okay, know, but you can't, that, you can't say uh, part he, of the reason why they let him out was because he was is doing as well as you are. No, I, I I can't say that. Um, okay, so you you so they let him out. You go you, now. The judge obviously looks at it and makes a decision to let you out. You're out for how long before this information comes up and you may have to go back? A, a full year? Um, yeah, right. A little over a year. Now, now, not only are you out, but you're working. And you are uh, engaged to a woman that you now you met uh, the mother. Her mother was a volunteer in the prison. Yes, because a lot of times when we hear about uh, guys in prison marrying women, we go, oh, it's some crazy woman who wrote her a letter, and you know those people are most likely nuts. But this isn't the case. This is a woman who got to know you and said, "You're a nice guy. When you get out, I'd like to introduce you to my daughter." Right, and you know her her daughter was going through some things at time, and I do a lot of leadership training and uh, personal development programs that I've implemented inside the prison system. So we wrote for like two years, <clears throat> completely um, platonic, just friends. You know, there was no no expectation. And um, when she was actually going to come see me, it was a Saturday. I was released the Friday before. So oh, wow. I called her and I was like, hey, you're not going to be able to come see me. And she was like, well, why not? <clears throat> I said, well, they just let me go. <laughs> and um, we went on a date that next Friday and... Um, We've been well, together since. Well, I got to ask you, what's the first thing you do when you get out? I went and got something to eat. Yeah, like why? What were you craving the most? Um, really, my, my buddy, he took me to like a sports bar. And, um, you know, there was such a huge selection of, of different foods. He just got me like a platter with some sliders on it, some yeah. wings, some chicken yeah. fingers, some fries. and yeah. um, All those yeah. things, I mean, that, you, that you've been missing for all these yeah. years. Uh, all right, so you, so you're out and uh, you're enjoying the freedom. You you meet this woman who now now only now it turns out. I mean, you probably saw her before, but uh, not only is she a normal woman, but she's also very attractive. Which to, to let people know, uh, I've seen a bunch of pictures of Richard. Richard's a good looking guy too. So they they actually look like a good couple together. So now you guys hit it off right away. Everything's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everything's good. Um, you know, like. I said, I, I work as a full-time paralegal with a company based out of Riverview called Prisoner Connections. Right. And the work we do, it's it's still helping people in prison with their legal needs through different attorneys throughout the state of Florida. 
So you're um, you're integrated back into uh, real life rather quickly. You already have a job. You you got a girl. You got a support team now. So you're you're you you being out is actually a good thing. Uh, that, I I believe so, and um, everybody else I've talked to believes so because you know if 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 we talk about rehabilitation, what is the goal of it? And um, I don't I don't know if you saw in the article the former warden of my institution. I did. I've quoted is, it a couple of times. Said you were you were a model of, of rehabilitation. You know, and since I've come home, she and I have had conversations about what programs we can start out here. Yep. Um, you know, just constantly trying to trying to give back. I, I'm currently working in partnership with the NYU School of Law, the Bernstein Institute, and FSU College of Law, where I do some advisory work to different law students and different uh, curriculums and programs we're putting together. So, so here is a guy who clearly could be, uh, you know, better for society as a free man who is continuing to help people and to be to be back as a productive member of society that we don't have to pay for. And now, uh, you, when do you find out? When do you find out, like, they send you a letter? How does that go? They call your lawyer and say, hey, guess what? Well, they, they would contact my lawyer. So the whole reason I'm out right now is because when they make their decision, the, the opinion doesn't be final for 15 days because you have that time to file a rehearing. Right. So my, my, my legal team, we're filing a rehearing and, and asking the court to relook some overlooked facts of law in the hopes that they'll, they'll grant my rehearing or retract the opinion. Um, and then the other thing that we're doing is we're seeking the, the governor's office, office to sign my commutation of sentence. Um, I filed a, a clemency back in 2014, and it's been pending since then. You know, um, how, how difficult is that to get? to the governor and have somebody pay attention to this? I mean, you can write them a letter, you can call the office. How difficult is it to get somebody to really get eyes on this? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm sure it's not easy. Um, there, there has been a, a strong outpouring of support that I, I'm so appreciative of. And, and you know, I want to say this. You know, what, what I did as a kid was a, a, a terrible act, and I've always accepted responsibility for my participation in this, and it's something that I've had to live with. And that's kind of been the the focal point of who I became to try to honor the the screwed up kid that I was, to try to honor the bad choices that I made and, and try to help somebody else from following down my same path. Yeah, and, and that's the best thing you can do is to try to prevent other kids from falling in the same traps that you fell in. I mean, you were in a bad spot, and there's a lot of kids. You know, I work a lot with kids. I know there's a lot of kids out there without the families and without, uh, you know, guidance that are, that are you know, end up self-medicating with drugs and alcohol that fall into these these same traps. So uh, so what what is your feeling now? First of all, what can, what can we do to help? What can we do uh, as, as just normal citizens? Write the governor's office? Call them? Uh, do we write local government people? Like, what's the best thing to do? So there, there's a few things, and we, um, we were talking about it last night on a Zoom meeting I did with um, Warden Sutherland through the River Phoenix Center for Peacebuilding. Um, you know, we encourage everybody to write their local politicians because they're the ones who they make policy and, and they, they represent us as the people. Of course, the other thing is right in the governor's office. And um, I have set up a page called justice number four 
Richard Midkiff on Facebook that has a petition that we're seeking people to sign and share. And on that same page are, is the article by the Marshall Project and an interview that I did with NBC last week. Well, I will for sure put that on our Facebook pages so that people can find it and sign it. And uh, and what, how do you feel now? Like, what is your gut telling you? Is it going to get taken care of, or you're going to have to go back? Uh, I, I mean, I, I don't even know how I feel. The the emotions and the the whirlwind that I've been caught up in the the last ten days is is oftentimes overwhelming for me. Sure. You know, I um yeah, I had to go and sit down with my mom, who's 77 years old, and and explain this to her. And for her. She, she doesn't know anything about law. She's, she's a mom. Yeah. And all she can say is, well, why? Right. I was right. in the courtroom when the judge said that you would get less time. Why are they not honoring his word? And, you know, so that's heartbreaking for me. Sure. It probably also weighs in on her, the fact that she's 77 years old. And if you're gone for yeah. another 15 years, you you may never see each other again. I, that's And that's so true. And, you know, it's for, for me... It's been the the greatest opportunity just to be able to come home and and take her grocery shopping or yeah. or help her help her with little things. A few months ago, uh, my fiance and I we went and bought her a, a car because she didn't have a vehicle. Wow. Uh, listen, over the years I've been doing stories about people who get arrested and prison stuff. My dad was a corrections officer, so I'm always interested in this kind of stuff. But I'm always real hard on the criminals, and right. uh, if ever there was a case where I feel the complete opposite is this. I mean, this is a guy who really, to be honest with you, you drove the getaway car, and it didn't even it didn't even do that. I mean, you, you, you were waiting outside in the car, you got out there, you got busted, and you did your time. You made the absolute best of it. You did as much as you can for yourself and to help other people, and then continued that work outside of prison to continue to help the people in there and to help the youth and you're working with colleges. I mean, there's, uh, you, every reason that we'd want you to be free is there. And all the people that uh, you you were being watched by and that you work with all say the same thing. And I think if anybody's listening to the show today, if you could take a second to go to the Facebook page this afternoon and click on the petition and, and uh, you know, show your support for Richard. I, I clearly, I think, with all the things going on in the world, you going back to jail would be one of the one of the worst things. Um, I, I appreciate you um, saying that and taking the time to uh, reach out to me and give me this opportunity to tell my story. Yeah, I, I really do wish you the best. When will we? When will we expect to find out? Like, what is the timeline? Um, I'm not a hundred percent sure. We're we're about to file our rehearing. Right. And um, I'm going to be giving updates on my Facebook page as to what's going on. Well, uh, I, I certainly wish you the best. I think it would be an absolute uh, horrible injustice if you have to go back. And uh, keep in touch. If there's anything we could do to you for you as, uh, as time goes on, please let me know. I will definitely do that. And, again, thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for your support. And, you know, thank you to your, all your listeners for taking the time to listen to me talk today. Yep. I uh, I hope the best for you, Richard. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Have Take a great day. There you go. Boy, what a messed up situation that is because, uh, I, you know, Calvin, I've said the, the most horrific things about people in jail before about, mm -hmm. uh, you know, who to, who to, you know, you find out there's a child molester in jail and I, I would rather see him get beat to death before he makes his trial, you know, those sort of stupid things over the years. But this is a this is a, a guy who, by all by all 
common sense should be a free man, continue to be a free man, and allow be allowed to move on with his life, and then used to help other people. I mean, he clearly has a desire to do that. He's worth way more to society as a free man, and I hope that there's some sort of common sense steps in here and uh, and takes care of this guy. Well, think uh, about it, because yeah. he's a great liaison between the prison system and getting out and being free, where a lot of these people have no idea what to do. He has done it. He's yeah. been in prison. He's gotten out. He's made something of himself, made something of himself in prison, and then whenever he got out, he's working with these people. So, yeah, that benefits all of us. Oh, for sure. I mean, if you, if you, anybody that's ever worked with kids, I mean, think about the situation that he was in. He had, he had uh, his father died. He was from a broken home. He had couldn't uh, read. De- yeah, yeah, he couldn't read. He developed, uh, you know, drug and alcohol problems. I mean, that is so is the source of so many of these kids' problems and their anger is that they have no family and they have no abilities to do anything and they feel lost. And this is a guy that that the number one thing that saves them is somebody reaching out to them and saying, I know exactly what you're going through. Mm -hmm. And this is what, without being condescending to them, saying, I've been through it, I've done it, and look what I've accomplished in spite of that. So, uh, yeah, he certainly, I think, deserves this. And I hope if enough attention is put on it, the judges will make the right decisions and the governor may uh, step in and, and commute this sentence. Jesus Christ, Roger Stone is free. Uh, uh, yeah. So I, I'm going to link this up right here on the commercial break to our Facebook page, and you can go and take a look at the story. And if you uh, feel that you could sign the petition to support him, that would be great as well. Uh, we'll take a break. I'll get this done. It's justice for Richard Midkiff. The group is there, but I will also get the link up on our page now here. It's the Mike Calta Show. This is 1025 The Bone. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.